everyone, and welcome to another Things We Said Today, our weekly crazy roundtable discussion of the Beatles, past, present, and to come. We're looking at our little crystal ball. Um, I'm Steve Marinucci, uh, contributor to Billboard and Access.com. And let me introduce my three cohorts in crime. First, um, from uh, the Pennsylvania area, um, with the uh, uh, home of the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates that are playing my Giants, uh, I believe it's tonight, actually. Um, uh, yeah. Mr. Mm-hmm. Mr. Al, uh, the executive editor of Beetle Fan, who just got back from the fest for Beetle Fans. In Mr. Al, In Chicago. Mr. Al right. Sussman. Hello, Al. Hi, hi, Steve. Hello there, everybody. Is that the longest introduction you've ever had? Something like that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. And secondly, let's see how how long can I drag this one out? Secondly, from Connecticut, um, the home. Let's see, the home of. Uh, uh, let's see, um, what's in Connecticut? Um, the nutmeg. It's been so state. long since. It, oh, okay. <laughs> that makes sense. It's been so long since I've been there. Um, uh, home of the Carpenters. Home of the Carpenters. Really? Okay. Yes. I didn't know that. David Seville. David Seville. Oh, there we go. The, the, the Connecticut. Uh, <laughs> The Connecticut uh, contribution to musical history. Um, the Big host pens. of uh, of what? Big pens. Big okay. The pens. host of the the Beatles <laughs> Beatles show, Every Little Thing. Ken Michaels. Uh, hello, Ken. Hi, Steve. Hi, everyone. And uh, out in uh, Maine, the home of uh, the the lobster. Can't I can't forget the lobster. The lobster. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm I, as, a, as an original Bostonian. I'm sorry, I have to look at it that way. And also, um, deep in the heart of Red Sox country, um, <laughs> I have to do that for you. I'm sorry. Our musicologist and Beatles author, Alan Cosen. Hello, Alan. Go Yankees. Hey, Steve. <laughs> what are you going to do without Alex? Rod- what are you going to do without A Rod, man? Well, you know, they come and they go, and they come new and ones go. come and go, and. But the babe will always be there. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Doing his curse. Right. Okay. Um, so, uh, hi, Steve. Hello, everyone. Hi, hi Alan. Okay. <laughs> now that we've got the, that down, um, this week we're gonna we we got a couple of things to talk about. Um, we're gonna. Uh, there was a uh, McCartney interview that uh, made the news, and there we're also gonna have a little preview of something that's uh, will be out soon. But let's start with the fest for Beetle fans, where uh, Mr. Sussman was for the past few days, and he just got right. back. He just just off the plane, just, just almost took, literally, <laughs> almost literally off the plane, shaking, shaking, and putting his. Uh, have you unpacked yet? Uh, yes, I have. As a matter of okay. fact. Okay. Um, well, tell tell us how it was. It was. Uh, it actually worked. It seemed to work very well. Uh, I think the, the at least in terms of attendance. Uh, Friday, I haven't heard an official an official figure, but Friday night and Saturday, I think were a little a uh, little better than expected. And Sunday was Sunday. I think at, the, at this time of year, especially with uh, with. You know, people having to take their kids back to school, back to colleges, and with uh, some of the even the elementary schools and high schools and out in the heartland opening up either this week or next week. Uh, Sunday generally at the Chicago Fest is not uh, not a not a big day. But there right. were there were you know there was a fairly good turnout. Uh, now a lot of what happened, I'll uh, just uh, full disclosure. A lot of what 
was going on in the main ballroom, um, I didn't get to see because I was busy, uh, as you know anybody who was there knows. I was busy with uh, doing name that assisting Tom Frangione with name that tune, and doing various uh, panel discussions with Wally Pedrasic and Susan Ryan, and doing Q and As and. Uh, et cetera, et cetera. So the not so I didn't really see a whole lot in the uh, in the main ballroom. But as far as the you know the guest uh, the guest roster, it was actually a pretty good one, especially for people who um, who prefer the musical guests. Mm-hmm. Um, Klaus Mormon was the probably the the the, the main guest the big, and mm-hmm. uh, the the big guest and uh, you know and and his appeal goes a couple of different ways you know not only the fact that he obviously drew the you know the album cover for revolver and is a you know prolific artist in his own right but he's also he was also a musician who uh especially in the uh in the 70s uh was was on an awful lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of an awful lot of solo beatles records right ken Absolutely, he did yeah. tremendous work on them. Yeah, absolutely, he did. Oh he yeah, also, he also he also made his own mark on several other albums too. I mean, he. Oh sure. Yeah. Oh so. sure, but the uh, the one thing that always sticks in my mind is the the live version of Bangladesh, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. hearing and hearing his bass line. Oh man, it's great. Mm-hmm. It's great. Absolutely. But uh, yeah. But uh, I, was, I was listening to that yesterday. As a matter of fact, I went to a record show and found the original, not the not the reissue, but the original issue of the Bangladesh CD mm-hmm. with the re- replica booklet in it. Right. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. true. So Klaus was there for virtually the entire weekend, uh, signing copies of his new book. But also, he also did a Q and A in the uh, main ballroom with uh, with Peter Asher. Which um, I caught a little bit of, and from what I understand from other people, was very interesting. And uh, and he played a little bit as well. And Peter Asher was kind of almost the almost the musical director of the weekend. Uh, he you know he did um, some of the uh, he did some of the interviews. Of course, a lot of this was because of the fact that Terry Hemmer. Uh, the legendary uh, radio personality from um, uh, WXRT in Chicago um, has recently well, – this has been a tough year for her. First, she had a cancer scare, uh, and then just recently she had uh, she had back surgery. Oh, I wasn't, and, aware, I wasn't yeah, aware of that. Yep, yeah, right. Get well, and, get well, Terry. And uh, she was actually off the air for about for about a month, but she was bound and bound and determined, if I can get the words out, to uh, to make it to the fest, and uh, and she did. She um, you know had to be helped upstairs and uh, was getting around on a getting around on a scooter, but uh, <laughs> but still uh, she uh, she made the uh, she gave it the old uh, the old college try. But people like Tom Frangione and Peter Asher and others kind of uh, helped to kind of pick up the slack. And in fact, on Sunday afternoon, uh, one of the more popular features on Sunday in recent years has been a uh, musician's forum. And Peter 
basically took the reins of that uh, this time. In fact, he even stood at a podium and um, uh, and basically conducted the the session almost as if he were uh, uh, almost as if he were a professor. Mm. Um, wow! The, yeah. The uh, the other uh, and oh and I should add of course that Peter performed live this time uh, with uh, with Albert Lee, who is one of the great country rock guitarists. Uh, you know he doesn't have you know he doesn't have a big resume on his own as far as recordings, but he's done an awful lot of session work over the years. Uh, he, uh, he was part of the lineup at the concert for for George in 2002. He was the musical director for the Everly Brothers for um, the majority of the last maybe 20 years that they were together. Mm-hmm. And has, um, uh, in fact, if you if you go onto YouTube, look up Albert Lee, Vince Gill. I think I think it's from the Crossroads Festival mm-hmm. uh, about no oh, maybe three or four years back. And it is if you're if you're into guitar work, it is fabulous, fabulous stuff. So uh, uh, so Albert Lee performed with Peter Asher, doing again much the same kind of uh, kind of s- memories uh, time capsule type of thing that that Peter has been doing over the course of the last several years. It's and, like a storyteller uh, show. Exactly, bingo. And um, they did like two two separate parts of it: one on Saturday and one on Sunday, in the main ballroom. And uh, and they went down very well. And uh, I guess the other major guest uh, was um, Louise Harrison, who, um, well, <laughs> she's Louise Harrison. <laughs> <laughs> okay, she's you know she's George's sister, uh, which counts. And uh, but uh, doesn't really have a whole lot of a whole lot that's um, all that significant to say. <laughs> let's okay. let's put it that way. Right. But people, but people like her. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, she um, she has that album that uh, came out when you know back in the Beatlemania days. The right, the and, album and, and, right, and and she currently manages a, uh, a Beatles. Um, I think I think they're a uh, Wigs and. Wigs and right. and called the Liverpool called yeah right <laughs> called the Liverpool Legends. They weren't were they with her? Uh, no 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 they didn't play because the uh, after all Liverpool is the you know pretty much the house band. Right. Although the the kind of the offshoot of Liverpool, the Weaklings, who of course we know through our our friend uh, Glenn Burtnick, uh, did uh, did play as well. Okay. And talked about their uh, recently their session at uh, Studio Two at Abbey Road. Did you well, hear their new material? Any of their new stuff? I, I didn't myself. As I said, I was mm-hmm. uh, I was upstairs for you know much uh, much of the time, uh, especially in the afternoon. But I understand that uh, that they went down uh, very very well. Yeah, uh, Asher and Asher and Albert Lee have been playing together for some time. Uh, oh yeah. They've been doing lots of concerts. Oh yeah, so, absolutely. 
Absolutely. In fact, yeah. there's a. Uh, uh, in fact, we were we were talking before we began taping that there's a on YouTube. There's about a half hour set uh, that Peter and Albert did um, very early on in this in this tour. And uh, you know the uh, it's uh, it's it's amazing the amount of uh, the the musical depth that they both exhibit. But uh, you know obviously uh, obviously Albert much more as a you know as a performer as a guitarist. Mm-hmm. You know whereas obviously Peter's you know great forte is as a producer. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can, and 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 that's certainly that. <laughs> it was interesting watching. I got to see a little bit of the sound check on Saturday morning, and Peter definitely has his. <laughs> he has his his own way. You know, obviously, hey, the man's been producing records for how many decades now? Right. You know, oh, so that's, that's cool. So that's yeah, so, so yeah, so there it's. Just looking at Albert's page, uh, he and Peter will be, or he will be, touring uh, Europe in uh, late September and throughout October, and then he and Peter will get together in late October and go through November in the UK. Mm-hmm. So, for those of right. you, that are, for you, those of you that are in Europe listening to us, you got you got that to look forward to. Right. It's always and, uh, a great show mm-hmm. to see Peter Asher with yes. whoever who he's with, because yeah. once he started performing again with Gordon. And yeah. those few reunion shows were just amazing. After Gordon passed away, you know, he's looking for someone else to share the stage with. And so, you know, he's worked with a lot of different people since then. Denny Lane, mm-hmm. uh, Chad and right. Jeremy at the Last Fest. Right. And they, yeah. they were amazing. You know, not, yeah. only, not only because it was Chad and Jeremy, but it was the two British duos <laughs> yeah. right? at the same right. time. You know, mm-hmm. I'm sure a lot of fans probably were confused with the two. But it was yeah. nice to see. Yeah, <laughs> it was nice to see Peter representing Peter and Gordon and Chad and Jeremy together. But whoever sure. Peter chooses to team up with, it's a phenomenal show. Mm-hmm. But the, the the Peter uh, the Asher and Albert Lee thing seems to be sticking very well because they've been doing that for some time now. Mm-hmm. And and so oh, yeah. I, I have I have yet to see that that uh, duo, and I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to catch them. If, when mm-hmm. they come out, when they come out my way, but uh, yeah. yeah, well, or in the meantime, just uh, you know, look up that YouTube uh, right. clip, Thanks. and um, also in in the musical uh, in the musical vein, uh, a few of the kind of the old uh, the old faithfuls from you know many years at the fest uh, were there as well. Billy J. Kramer mm-hmm. uh, was there uh, with his uh, well, he, well, he played on Saturday. With his current band, with Liberty DeVito, he um, did a full set on on Saturday with his with his current band, and then played with Liverpool on on Sunday. Uh, also, Joey Molland, the mm-hmm. okay. lone the lone surviving member of the classic lineup of Badfinger, uh, was there and uh, and did a and did a great job, and of course the eternal Mark Hudson, who. <laughs> <laughs> an acquired taste. <laughs> Some people, oh. hey, a lot of the a lot of the people that go to the fest love him, mm-hmm. and then there are other people who, you know, scratch their heads. Well, I, I, I you know, I, I only, I'd only seen him the one time in in L.A., and I thought he wasn't, you know, I thought he was pretty good, but he's he's appeared there a lot, and I don't know that that's, you know, I mean, if that's part of the. 
I mean, I, I've heard the the slow the slow, is it slow down that he does at the end of the shows. Is that the is that the one that? Oh, it's one. Um, it's it's yeah. one of them. Also, he does about a, about a twenty minute version of Working Class Hero. Yep. Uh, oh, really? <laughs> yeah. That that, that that one I missed. That one. I yeah. Missed. yeah. He does. I mean, he does medleys. He does. Yes, like he does a lot medley, of yes. And then he does a McCartney medley. Right. And. Um, he did a in part of the medley actually. He did my Valentine really raucous, like an up tempo, yeah, you know, raucous uh, version of it. Kind of worked, I felt. Mm. But you know, Mark Hudson could be invaluable for all the knowledge that he has. Oh yeah, as a music as a musician and as a songwriter. And when he first became involved with the fest, he was amazing because he had all these stories to tell about working with Ringo in the studio right. on those mm-hmm. albums. Yeah. He's kind of drifted away from that. I wish you would talk more and more about that because she'd get some insight of what Ringo's like in the studio and as an artist. But, you know, it's become more his love of the Beatles. And I do love those. What, it, what did you call them now? Those those sessions, the musicians sessions. Oh, the musicians forums. Yeah. Uh, you know, because they all talk about the artistic and songwriting process and how it comes about. And you get it from the perspectives of so many different people in different walks of life whether it's Mark Hudson with Lawrence Juber and Glenn Burtnick and, you know, all these great musicians who are also great songwriters, too, and great musicians mm-hmm. bringing their own story to tell, especially if they've worked with any of the Beatles, too. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I love that kind of thing. So he really can be invaluable if he's used correctly. Sure. You know? Sure. And, I, you know, I don't know. I think maybe, especially since it's been now... It's been a pretty considerable amount of time, about, I guess about a decade, since he and Ringo parted ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know. Maybe he feels that he doesn't really want to, you know, keep uh, basically, you know, depending on his on his um, years with Ringo as his uh, as his entree to being at the fest i think maybe he feels that he's uh that as as a fan and and all he you know he can relate to the you know kind of the the average fan there and uh maybe he feels that that's the way that he prefers to do it you know whatever okay. but he yeah. certainly is popular mm. and uh and there's you know also of course all of the other the other uh uh, parts of the fest, both old and new, you know, things like the Fabratory. And also there was a fascinating room there where uh, Tony Kay had the, uh, the you know, uh, you probably have seen maybe those virtual reality clips of, uh, of, of Paul McCartney. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were five mm-hmm. clips all, all told, and uh, they have they had a room there where you could basically put on a set, you know, a headset and a a set of I guess goggles. I forget what I'm not sure what you would call them, uh, or a, you know, a viewer, and you can watch a basically a surround sound and visual, well, virtual reality look at those at those five videos and it was it was pretty fascinating wow yeah okay 
Yeah, so things like that, and uh, uh, and of course the usual, you know, the usual standbys, things like the flea market and the video room and the audio visual presentations and the uh, and the stuff that I'm involved with, uh, you know, upstairs the, uh, the in what we call Wally's room, uh, Wally Pedrasic. Uh, who has been, um, you know, obviously uh, involved with the Chicago Fest. This is the 40th Chicago Fest for Beatles fans slash Beatle Fest, whatever you want to call it. And Wally has been uh, has been involved with every one of them. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and so uh, even even though he's uh, he has other other obligations elsewhere in the in the in the building, so I kind of pinch hit and Susan Ryan pinch hits and other and Tom pinch hits and other people. Uh, it's still basically we still call it Wally's Wally's room, and that's where the the panel discussions and the Q and A's and and name that tune and trivia and all are. And uh, and actually, we got um, we got some some nice turnouts there. What were some of the panel discussions you were on? Oh. Uh, well, we had a uh, well similar to what we did in New York in um, in April in Rye. Bruce uh, Bruce Beiser, Chuck Gunderson, and I did a uh, kind of a retrospective on 1966, but but with Wally Pedrasic kind of taking it in different directions, talking about uh, basically when Revolver, which really didn't, in fact, I think we talked about this last week, uh, which in its time, you know, when it was first released, was almost ignored because of the Christ controversy and the beginning of the tour and and Manila and every and everything else. When Revolver became Revolver, you know this this great revered album because it certainly was not a great revered album when it first came out. So we uh, we talked about that. I uh, uh, did a did a Q and A with uh, with Robert Rodriguez on <laughs> again on Revolver, <laughs> as a matter of fact, and and you know various and sundry other things as well. So uh, so it was a it was definitely a a very a very busy weekend. Were any of the authors' panels particularly revelatory? No. Nope. No. The uh, probably the uh, the the main one uh, was uh, Piers Hemmingson, who has done a a book about the Beatles' Canadian recordings or their Canadian albums. Mm-hmm. Uh, he uh, we did a uh, did a Q and A with him, and he had some very interesting things to say about the uh, the the. the Kind of the development of, I guess, Canada's what you might call Canada's role in the beginnings of Beatlemania in North America, hmm. because because if you remember, the album the the what was in fact the second Beatles album with the Beatles, uh, called Beatlemania with the Beatles, was released in Canada mm-hmm. in December in December of sixty three, and in fact there were singles of. All my lovin' mm-hmm. and roll over Beethoven. Right. That uh, that in fact made their way onto the the American charts in mm-hmm. the early weeks of '64, and and I, it's probably not uh, not an accident. 
that the first song the Beatles performed in the U.S. on the February 9, 1964 Ed Sullivan show was All My Lovin'. And the first song they performed in concert three nights later at the Washington Coliseum was Roll Over Beethoven. Mm-hmm. You really so, think it's because of the Canadian? I, I mean, it's, it's, it's possible. It's possible. You know, huh. you know, it's, you know, it's, it's not out of the realm of possibility. But uh, but they certainly and as a matter of fact the um, the the uh, there was already a Beatles fan club in Canada, and when I Want to Hold Your Hand took off in January of '64, the you know the the NEMS organization hadn't yet formed a an American Beatles fan club. Uh, as a matter of fact, Scott Muni had begun a Beatles fan club on WABC in New York, but to kind of facilitate the beginning of an official fan club, the two girls who ran the Canadian Beatles fan club came down to New York uh, the weekend that the Beatles um, uh, arrived in America to uh, kind of establish uh, the fan club. So, uh, so his, um, uh, his Q&A was really interesting. The uh, probably the other, uh, and then for comic relief, there was Greg Sterlace, <laughs> ah, who had that go over. Well, interesting because not only has he released that book that came out uh, early early in the year on um, his his look at Beatles books, mm-hmm. but. Now he's come out with a with a critical, if you want to call it a critical guide, a very tongue in cheek critical guide to the Beatles and the solo recordings, and has given them all grades. Hmm. But uh, very tongue in cheek because, in fact, some of the entries are one sentence. Hmm. So, wow. yeah, so. So as I said, it was it was it was interesting for some uh, for some comic relief. Mm-hmm. You know. Okay. okay, interesting. So basically, it was it, it, the the fest was good. And I, the the one thing I was wondering, um, given the fact that a couple of years ago, if you guys remember that they were going to do something with Klaus in L.A. and Klaus turned up really ill, and then mm-hmm. Ringo came in and and and. So kind of they they did that thing with Ringo and Chris Carter. Uh, apparently, from, from what you're saying, he's in he's in really good health. And well, I, I wouldn't say really good health. I mean, he uh, you know he's not a young man anymore. You know, he's in his he's in his I believe he's in his 80s now. Yeah, he, and he has had he has had some health problems. And you know, and he was kind of limited in uh, you know he didn't uh, spend all that much time signing and didn't spend all that much time uh, on stage. And he didn't perform. Either night in the you know the the the, the fest concert the the mm. the traditional Saturday and Sunday night concerts he didn't didn't perform in either of those but uh, but just uh, you know just the mere fact that he was there for right. the uh, for the fiftieth anniversary I think was uh, was definitely a positive of course he did have a, a book to sell as well right so, right so how that, many that, how many, that, how, many that, people that brought, how many people brought brought revolver albums from the sign a lot. Because in fact, the um, the uh, autograph copies of the book 
had originally sold out uh, about a week before the fest began, mm. and it was only within the last couple of days before the fest that they got some more copies. So I think a lot of people, figuring that they weren't going to get a book, brought their copies of Revolver. Mm-hmm. Okay. Did you see any panel discussions with uh, Jude Kessler or Kido Tool? Oh, yeah, Kit, absolutely. Uh, uh, Jude actually didn't do any um, any panels. She did a um, she did two audio visual uh, presentations. One in the um, uh, in the audio visual room, and one in the main ballroom as kind of a you know a, an a early bird special on uh, on Saturday. But uh, Kit was Kit was all over the place. <laughs> uh, she did a uh, she did an uh, as she did in um, in New York. She and Scott Erickson did a live version of her Deep Beatles uh, column, uh, right. Deep, Be- Deep Beatles Live. She and Wally did a um, uh, did a conversation about the the article that I've been <laughs> the article that I've been hyping from the uh, the current issue of Beetle Fan about the uh, about the the advertising campaign for peace that uh, that John and Yoko and you know. Uh, began in 1969. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, she and Robert Rodriguez did a panel on cover versions. You know, the Beatles doing rock and roll, uh, rock and roll, and R and D, and all. You know, they, they each they each uh, picked out about uh, I guess about a dozen songs and mm-hmm. played played excerpts and talked about them and uh, and all. And plus, also Kit was involved with. Both of the two women's panels uh, that, Sus- that Susan Ryan does on uh, Saturday and Sunday. Uh, the the one on Saturday was about the uh, the multi generational appeal of the Beatles, and uh, the one yesterday was uh, a tribute to Sir George Martin. Okay. Okay. So so yes, Kit was all over the place. <laughs> How about uh, yeah. did you see Bruce uh, Spicer at all? Oh, Bruce. Uh, oh, sure. Well, Bruce was with uh, Chuck Gunderson and me and, and Wally in the uh, the panel that we did. Uh, you may have the uh, panel that we did on Friday night uh, on, on 1966. And uh, and also he did his um, uh, his butcher cover expose, if you want to call it that, oh, yes. uh, in the main ballroom on uh, on Sunday afternoon. And later on, on Sunday afternoon, he did his um, uh, The Beatles albums on Capitol Records um, program in the audiovisual room. Cool. So so Bruce was very, very much in evidence. Very much in evidence. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. Any, any, any guys got any questions about the fest? Or should we move on uh, to... Other stuff? I think so. Okay. okay. All right. Uh, Sounds good to the, me. Uh, uh, another thing that uh, got a lot of attention this week, actually two of them, uh, are the Paul McCartney interviews in the Ro- in Rolling Stone and the New York Times. The, the New York Times one was, and I, I have to be honest, I did not see that one, but it was much smaller. But the Rolling Stone one was very lengthy, and he went through a lot of subjects. So a couple of things were not all that surprising. And, of course, he talked – he was asked the usual question about let it be, and he really didn't answer that question. I was kind of disappointed about that. But he did talk about performing, which uh, which is really the meat of the, the uh, interview. Um, 
and uh, I, that's what I thought was the best part where he talks about the band and why he likes the band and why he likes performing with them and why he likes performing, you know, at, at his age and whether he'll keep going, which I, uh, you know, that, that, that was kind of cool. Um, but um, Alan, let me start with you. What did you, what did you think of this uh, the interview? I thought it was pretty interesting, actually. I mean, it, it was with David Frick, who uh, I think goes away back with him, you know, and, mm-hmm. uh, you yeah. And, um, you know, I, I think he actually did say something about Let It Be that we didn't mm-hmm. know, which was yeah. that, he, is that he isn't the one holding it back. And, and right. in fact, he, he didn't seem that concerned about whether it was out or not. And he he, he kind of gave the impression that it was like, yeah, I, th- I thought that was out, you know. Um, <laughs> but then said, you know, it's not uh, – there's talk about it being held back for this reason or that, but it's not me. It's not, I'm, I'm not the one doing it. I mean, he didn't imply necessarily who was, but... Uh, yeah, the, the we, girls, all, we, the, we all know who it is. The girls are Beatles, I think. I thought that was the that kind was of the takeaway the ta- the take yeah. line. Yeah, that yeah. was interesting, too. Mm. Uh, also, the business of, um, you know, there still being stuff in the can, perhaps, that they could put out. He didn't seem awfully enthusiastic about about mm-hmm. that but i mean he also he also kind of said in terms of the Beatles stuff you know i give it a listen and i say okay but I, i'm not really that involved in those projects um so that was kind of interesting well like what you said about the band i thought it was sort of interesting that he talks about being a dictator you know yeah um mm-hmm. you know he's really which overt. is not, which is- not that that, that not a big surprise, fact, right? When we've talked to the band, you know, when we talked to uh, Rusty, I mean, you kind of get that impression that, I mean, the man is in charge. I mean, they, they they're able to contribute, as Paul said, they're able to make suggestions, but it's really Paul's call. Oh it, yeah, I, I mean, it, it, it's his it's his band. I mean, it's his band. I mean, but I mean, it's not you, you don't see the other you don't see Rusty or Brian doing songs. Yeah, but know. that said. Yeah. But that said, he he did mention that you know in putting together the set list during the rehearsals rehearsals for the tours, yes, the band sometimes mm-hmm. comes up with things that he as as he basically put it was sort of you know too lazy to consider, and they've talked him into it. You know, mm-hmm. I think he mentioned Day Tripper has a hard bass part he didn't really want to bother, but they said look, right. this would be this would be great. You know, so right. So that, that's kind the of the benefit of Mr. Kite. Also. Yeah, yeah, benefit of Mr. Kite was the one that caught my attention because yeah, that was a big surprise when when they added it and and I think it's worked very well actually. I yeah. think that's been one of the better editions that he's made. I would have thought that was Paul's idea, but evidently it was the band. Mm-hmm. But you know, yeah. it, it really is interesting that he he admits being a dictator. I've never heard him mm. ever confess to that. Yes. You know. I don't. I don't. Have, well, I don't. For some reason, think that that was such a surprise. I've. There have been little clips before where we've seen he isn't. He is in charge, and he's basically. I mean, he's never. Despite the self-effacing and, and you know very genial type of image he presents, you know, it's been pretty clear that when he needs to take charge, he does. I. I so that, that's not. That's not what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. That's not. It's not a shock. Yeah, that he is that way. It's just a right. shock that he's admitting it. Yeah, and saying it publicly. You know, he compares the Beatles into Wings, which he said was less mm-hmm. challenging. And mm-hmm. now he's got this band, which he's had now for fifteen years. Mm-hmm. And he does bring up the fact that they've been together longer than the Beatles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's even a different experience than Wings. Yeah. 
saying that, you know, he really is in charge here. But he does take suggestions from the other members of the group. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's given that who's in the band now versus who was in the band before. It's not I, – I, again, I don't, I don't see it as – it's being it's it's the, it's it's the same band. It's, it's been the no, same band. No, no, no. I'm band. talking about I'm talking about through the years. I mean, you know, um, when you've got, you basically have a bunch of young young guys now. Not mm-hmm. I shouldn't say young because they're not really that young anymore. But I mean, you, you know, I mean, when he, ba- you know, as opposed to Denny Lane and and all those and Wings and and those guys, uh, you know, I mean, he he it's been he's been his game. I mean, I, I don't I I really don't find that all that surprising now i'm not saying it's bad at all i think it you know it's the way it should be but i I, i'm not surprised that he that he's made it very clear that he's in charge so al how about you what did you think of the rolling stone interview i thought you know i thought it was interesting as i said for me that uh, the takeaway line was (laughs) was Beatles girls was the girls are Beatles, which mm-hmm. you know, and obviously a reference to Olivia and Yoko, right. and um, and I I have a feeling that uh, that that was in that you know just that one little line was kind of revealing because I've always kind of felt that. The you know obviously we know that anything that comes out of Apple has to have a hundred percent approval of the four directors, mm-hmm. and that includes something like Let It Be. And I've always had the feeling that if there was a negative, a negative vote or negative votes, they probably were coming from probably either from Yoko or Olivia or both. So I, I have a feeling that that comment, that little comment there, is kind of uh, is kind of revealing. But the funny thing is that a lot of people have always thought it, it it was would be Paul holding it back because, as he points out in this interview, he right he doesn't, doesn't come, off, come well. off that, well, that off well. well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I ju- I just think they should have they should put it out and they should also oh, have yeah. an alternate edit because. You know, we've all heard the tapes, and there's other stuff that went on, and I think you could see the whole thing in a completely different light. You know, given what's available, I mean, there is there is a, an alternate universe. Let it be that is a, that could be a happier film. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, that's what that's what Ron Fleming told me in an interview. Did you think well, that that Beetle Girls comment was an insult? Because I've seen no, people. No, no, no. I think it was just. A, I, th- I think it was just a. Um, I thought kind of a sly little comment, just to kind of uh, say that uh, you know that they, you know, that the two of them have uh, basically they have as as equal a vote as Paul and Ringo, and that uh, and and again, I, I I think it probably was slipped in there, kind of as a. Kind of as a device to show that you know that probably the negative um, you know what's keeping what's keeping let it be from official release on DVD is probably the girls. Hmm. Without Although citing we which one, <laughs> right, right. I mean, we don't know that for sure, but it could be both of them. You know, hmm. they you know for you know, obviously they both have they would both have reasons for not wanting it out because 
Why would Yoko be against it? Uh, Yoko, Yo- really Yoko would be against it because John always used to say, I mean, it's interesting how touchy everybody is about this film. John used yes. to say at the, at the time the film was made, he said, yeah, this is this film just shows how it's, you know, basically Paul being in charge and, you know, yeah. we're just sort of there. And so if Yoko sort of internalized that um, attitude about let it be, she could be against it um, coming out. I don't know. That's and probably the same, probably the same thing with Olivia regarding George. Yeah. See, I think I think you, you could you could go around and and you know and there's still uh, not 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 really get an answer. I mean, there's an obvious person that you point at and say you think it's them, but I, yeah. I, I, given the way, given what he says, I'm not so sure. The only one, obviously, that that is out of the out of the loop. As far as objecting, I would think would be Ringo, Ringo. right? <laughs> yeah, I don't see. Yeah, because I don't see he doesn't really come off badly in the film mm-hmm. at all. So, nice. uh, so I don't think he would have any any objection. Not to and mention, we a get bit- a glimpse of Octopus's Garden. You know, <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. As a matter of fact, there's that one. There's that one segment with Yoko jamming with the band. That assuming that they would. You know they've they've restored that. That would be a great outtake to throw out. I mean, I think that's a, or to put out there. I think that's a that's one of the best clips of that. You know, of that whole session. You know, of them jamming. I mean, it's so unlike. You know, it goes against everything you've ever heard, and there they are mm-hmm. all. You know, jamming together. So, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. It's 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 hard to say, and I, I just hope. Yeah, I hope whatever. What they somebody has made a decision and we'll get it eventually. It's well, all, crazy. All, all crazy. except George. George isn't in the jam because the jam took place when right after that was oh, what was yeah. done the rest of right. the day that's, when George right. quit. Yes. So. Right. Yeah. Well, part of part of the fascination with the Beatles is the mystery behind them because yes. we're never probably going to yeah. get the answers yeah. as to why Let It Be still hasn't come out. Right. And you know, I've also heard rumors that George just felt that the the movie was way too depressing and that's why he didn't want it out so regardless of what we think yeah because when we did a show on let it be i i watched it for the first time in quite a while and i didn't think it was that depressing at all no (laughs) i really didn't it wasn't as bad as you know people have said it that it is but um you know that's just what i heard about george so olivia uh, probably just honoring george's wishes Mm -hmm. if if it is george and like I said, Ron, Fer- Ron Fermanek said the restored version, which I guess that bootleg version that came out last year is as close as you're going to get to that. Um, mm-hmm. It's pretty uh, is pretty uplifting. I wouldn't say the bootleg version is uplifting, but it certainly looks better than you know than a lot of what we've had. So it looks better, right. but it's fundamentally the same film. It's right. not. It's not like alternate edits or anything really. Yeah. Also, since Ken was asking about the you know the interview, actually both both interviews, both the Rolling Stone interview and the shorter one in the Times, Paul really talks about how just you know we we keep talking about well he should you know you should shorten the shows da 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 you know and uh, you know and there's you know there's some credence to that, but you can tell how much he enjoys being a performer. Yeah. The Times no. interview was basically number 873. Yes. <laughs> you know, what What do I want to see him play? <laughs> that story, <Right>. you know. 
he also yeah, addresses. I'm not sure if it's the Times or or um, Rolling Stone about doing either all new material or maybe all yeah. solo material. Yeah, and it. You know, I get the feeling <laughs> reading these interviews if if he's listening to our show <laughs> yeah. because if we're addressing the same things about, right yeah. here. It's uh-huh. it's almost like so many of these topics are the same things that we bring up here all the time, sure. and and he's saying you know to do a, a show of new songs or probably all solo is not as he probably would invite that more. It's probably that no one has suggested it to him. You know, it's almost like he says he doesn't go around planning his life. So a lot of what he does, you know, are decisions that he makes in the moment. So. Um, I don't know if you believe that, but that's, mm-hmm. that's the way he comes across here. So but Paul, it's almost like if you're listening, yeah. Paul, you know, have your guy call our guy. We want to have a word with you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there we go. There we go. There we go. Okay. You know, yeah, it's uh, it, it's it, it's it's very uh, it's very interesting. Um, <laughs> you know, at this at this stage, you know, he obviously does kind of you know battle his own inclinations as far as what he thinks he should be doing live you know mm-hmm. whether whether it's whether it's you know keeping the keeping the set heavily beatles or whether he should do more of the solo material or even, you know, say the wing, the seventies material, let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or whether he should be doing more of his more recent things. And, uh, you know, and again, you know, he does talk about this, you know, the, (laughs) that, that black hole that, uh, Mm -hmm. that seems to, uh, that seems to appear when he does do uh, the more, uh, the more recent things. And and then when, when he does the Beatles songs or the wings, the wings hits, you know, outcome, outcome the cell phones. Right. You know, and and that also depends upon where you see him. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, when I was talking about the last two shows that I saw at Fenway, they were very respectful of the solo stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't feel that in New Jersey. I felt that was mainly, you know, everyone wanted to hear Beatles there. But they were pretty much staying in, in their seats at Fenway. So, mm-hmm. and in fact, as I had even pointed out, when he did four or five seconds, you know, the crowd was singing along with it mm-hmm. at Fenway. So it's, it's a different crowd everywhere you go. When I saw the when I saw the show at the on the in Fresno when the tour to open the tour, that was a college crowd basically because it was at a, a it was a college and every, they were going crazy on both. They they loved both the the solo and the and the Beatles songs, right? Which is kind of which mm-hmm. is interesting. Um, so and four or five seconds, as I recall, got a big reaction, very big reaction, which was not surprising. I mean, that's you know, that's you know the kind of group that uh, would know that song very well so sure but and, and yeah I, I should say? also say that when i was talking about when when paul was thinking about doing shows that were just solo or more yeah. solo he was also inviting the idea of playing smaller venues which yes. he said is not as challenging as you think and mm. for someone who seemed to like back in the early 90s when he was doing those few shows in england mm-hmm. in small clubs mm-hmm. to get ready for unplugged you know, I think he really enjoyed that. So mm-hmm. I'd love to see him do something like that now. That would be yeah. amazing. You know, right. don't forget he did a bunch in 2007 as well of, of little little places. So I'm at the mm-hmm. High Line in New York. Um, yes. So, yeah. Mm. 
Yes. Yeah. And that was Very around true. the same time he did Amoeba in L.A. Yeah. So there were a bunch of little shows that that kind of featured the stuff from memory almost full, but not to the exclusion of you know what will be his normal set, just that it was much shorter. Right, and then, mm-hmm. and, then, and then and then to get on the other side of that, he'll be doing Desert Trip uh, at the, in October with uh, you know big festival with Dylan and the Stones and Neil Young and right. the Who. So you know, oh well. Right. That, I, the, the question right. I was going to throw out at you guys is with the tour ending, because it is coming to it is coming to an end. Where do you think he goes from here? As far as touring, probably, probably he talked probably, about making probably. a new album. Yeah, yeah, right. Do you think there will be another tour? Oh, I'm sure. Of course. He's, yeah, as, you know, as long he, as he's healthy. Yeah. Okay. No question amazing. about it. He, he, you know, the, you can tell from the comments that he makes in, in again, in both of those interviews that he still really enjoys the performance aspect. Mm-hmm. And you can say, I mean, you can see even the, you know, even if you pick an individual clip on YouTube, you can see that that is definitely the case. That he definitely does. Oh enjoy. yeah. I mean, some performers, you you know, you can see them on stage, and they're basically just, you know, they're putting on an act. You can see going it. through the going it, through the motions. Right. Just yeah. not. And you know, I would be the first to say if he was, and he, it sure as hell doesn't seem like he is. I mean. He looks like he's having he, even even the if he does the same routines about the, you know, uh, let me let me soak it in and and all this stuff and you well know. you know he even I forget which which interview he addresses that in I think it may be uh-huh. in the time the Times interview he addresses that and he says that and he says exactly what I had mentioned here that you know when you go to see a Broadway show. You know, there's they're saying lines and they say the same lines every night. So he does kind of maybe just maybe a, a slight variation on those lines every night, but it's basically part. It's just simply part of the show. Mm-hmm. Right. He's been that way forever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even even in the Beatle days, how many times did he did he say, you know, clap your hands and stand right. Your- you know, and do and do the little pillow hands. I, I'm getting a little ahead because we were going to talk about Hollywood Bowl actually in a, in a couple of minutes. But I, I absolutely love the fact on the bootlegs where he in the uh, Hollywood Bowl show where he goes, "Well, I'm sorry, we can't do any more because we've never done any more than this." And they've and left that off. They've left that off the the album, unfortunately. Yeah. I, I, I lo- that moment is 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 great, and I I kind of wish. And in fact, on the album when they re- re- released it in '77, there was a sharp edit. You know, anybody mm. who heard that part knew it was there, and it's not there, and it's still not going to be there. But yeah, I mean that kind of thing. You know, he always makes those comments. You know, some of his comments are great. You know, you have to give him that. That you know, he's got this great stage presence. I had uh, you know. Between him and uh, comparing him and Ringo, I you know his stage patter I think is a lot better, uh, much much better. But yeah, I asked well, him about but, that once, you know, in, in mm-hmm. after the you know eighty nine when nobody had seen him for a while and he came back and and, and did the eighty nine ninety tour and uh, mm-hmm. and I had said you know if you listen to the to the bootlegs, <laughs> you know that. All the patter is the same pretty much at, at every show, and I was just sort of wondering why, you know, why why there's not any spontaneity about that. And um, and the example I brought up was Gertrude Higgins, and 
you know, oh, yeah. introducing my right. wife, Gertrude Higgins. And, mm-hmm. and so that's the one he specifically addressed. And it was interesting because you know, thought had gone behind it. It was it sound to us just like a sort of glib joke. But what what he said is, you know what, the Gertrude Higgins thing, it's I'm introducing the band and I'm introducing Linda. And there is always going to be some wag out there who's going to shout something if I introduce Linda. But if I say Gertrude Higgins, everyone's laughing and that doesn't happen. And I thought that was really kind of interesting, you know, that these and, things and, are thought and, and, through. And, yeah. and if you remember in the, the Get Back film, mm-hmm. there was even that little uh, little sequence there where they had like a collage of him introducing <laughs> Gertrude Higgins, yeah. you know, in various ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so that, that kind of confirms that. Yeah. yeah. These interviews, though, I, I just want to say I just find them interesting only because I think Paul's being a lot more candid. You know, it's like he's comfortable in his own skin. He's saying whatever he feels like. So I really get that impression. He's not being so careful about everything that he says. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and also this whole idea about unreleased Beatles material that it just seems like they're not the ones initiating a lot of this stuff. Maybe someone comes to them and says, how do you feel about a live project? You know, because mm-hmm. it certainly comes across like, you know, if you have an idea, present it to me. But they're not the ones. Paul and Ringo are not the ones who are going to start something. Mm-hmm. Right. True. Very true. Yeah. So, yep. You know, they certainly weren't the ones who started the love. Well, George, well, George was. was the one who started exactly, that. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. Let's um. Speaking let's of move live on. projects. Speaking of live projects, um, yeah. Alan and I both have been listening to the Hollywood Bowl album for about a week now. Yes, um, the, the two professional journalists get their copies. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought we'd just give a, a, a brief a brief uh, preview of what uh, what you guys are going to hear. I will say that uh, I've done some not uh, comparisons with uh, all of the versions, but some of the recent bootleg versions, and the sound is definitely cleaner to me. Um, certainly doesn't sound as distorted. Uh, there's no. Uh, it, 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 but it, it, yeah, it's definitely cleaner. They've definitely done some work on these, and uh, sounds. Uh, and uh, Alan, no, we were talking before we went on the air. Uh, you noted uh, there's some reverb. Yeah, I think there's there, more reverb around the vocals. I mean, uh, I mean, one of the differences between the the bootlegs and this is the the bootlegs are made from sort of you know mono mix, and right. the new version. Is and and the 1977 version really were made from three tracks, but Giles Martin says that they have three tracks sort of a generation or so better than what his father mm-hmm. had in 1977. Um, he recreated basically all of his father's edits, and he recreated mm-hmm. for the first, you know, part of the of the disc the exact running order that his father had. Right. Um, yeah, I didn't. I didn't see anything. I didn't hear anything different. Did no, you? No. Yeah. Um, and but I think he just put a little bit more reverb around the vocals. <laughs> and I think we both noticed, or or at least had the gut impression that the that the screaming was a little bit lower on the right. new version. And uh, I have to say, you know, I mean, we've already talked about the album a couple of weeks ago about the running order, and um, I I think. We both agree that hearing it hasn't made us feel necessarily better about the running order, right? Right. But, I mean, I, I, I like the you know. As I think I said 
when we talked about this. I mean, I'm glad that they redid the the 77 album, but I'm also thinking that there will be more to come. I hope um, so. hope so. You know, my, my feeling listening to the disc the first time um, through, uh, like when it was over, and, and you don't necessarily – no, I mean, you know when it's over because you've got the track list and everything. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you mm-hmm. think of a Beatles show being over, one of these shows being over with either Long Tall Sally or I'm Down. And so mm. it's not over with that. It's over with Babies in Black, I think. Right. Um, but I remember it ending and feeling really disappointed that it was over. And, you know, it's been a long time since I've probably heard an album where I felt really disappointed that it was over. And that's even knowing the stuff. So the (laughs) the sound of it was just so, I I thought it was really good and really uplifting. And I really enjoyed listening to it, even though I'm kind of critical of what they, how they chose to do it Mm -hmm. as an experience. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. I think if they had put a, one of the actual, Closer songs, if they put I'm Down or Long, uh, you know, uh, at the end, for example, I think it would have been a lot better. But to end on Babies in Black, that just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. But Well, mm. let, let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. Since, um, since obviously now you've heard how, they, how the album sounds, mm-hmm. do you now understand why they made this decision rather than going with a soundtrack which would have i don't know two tracks from Washington Coliseum and uh one track from uh from the Swedish drop-in show mm-hmm. and one track from uh the the Paris uh, show in the spring of 65 and a couple of tracks from from Shea Stadium uh which would have been so inconsistent yeah as as an audio oh, yeah. document do you oh, yeah. But who who says they won't when they when they put out well, the they, DVD yeah, they and still Blu-ray? Mark. You know, that's they, true. Yeah. That's true. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's I, what, yeah. I mean, I think they had to do that basically because I think the the outcry they they saw the outcry over the years. People were screaming and yelling for Hollywood Bowl. I mean, it would have been nice to have the full shows. Um, yeah, uh, I listened to I listened to the '65 show with the with the the mic problems, and uh, unless they could fix that, I would think they they probably wouldn't put that out. But even if I mean they could have, I mean people probably wouldn't have complained that much. Yeah, you know because it's an artifact. It's 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 history. You know, and they have two '65. Well, that's shows, how we so. see it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right, they do have two '65 shows. But that specific one, in you know, that one in particular where they had the mic problems, it it, it actually sounds kind of like a, you know, a, you cut a channel out of the stereo almost uh, to yeah. listen to it. But yeah. hmm. but uh, but otherwise, I mean, it's great. It's great. So I'm I'm very much looking forward to it to getting or to have every having everybody hear it and and get their reaction. And I think everybody. Will be relatively pleased, I think. Does it feel anyway, like it has a lot more punch? These I, recordings, I kind of thought so. Yeah, I do mm-hmm. too. I do too. I mean, maybe I maybe the reverb creates that impression to a degree. You know, uh, yeah. there may be some people who feel it's too much reverb too. You know, but um, mm. but I, I kind of thought the whole thing sounded really powerful. Yeah, I I have I've been listening to it on headphones mostly. I haven't listened to it uh, open. Open area. Uh, I'm going to have to do that. Um, but uh, 
Yeah, I, I just I, it did sound pretty powerful. I mean, it, it, and and your comment, Alan, about it sounding you know making sounding uh, so positive and making you know being so joyful to listen to is just I mean just hearing all the screams. <laughs> oh God! But anyway, all right. <laughs> I think we have run out of we've come come to the unfortunate and and end again of our little weekly gathering. Um, you can get a hold of us by writing things we said today, radio show at gmail.com and tell us how much you love us, how much you want to send us money. No, I'm kidding. How much you, uh, you know, what you think of our shows. Um, we would love to hear from you. We get comments all the time and we try to keep, keep up and write back to you. And who knows, you may get a personal response from one of, one of the four of us. You can get a hold of me by uh, on Facebook. I have my own Facebook page. I also have a Beatles news group called Beatles News and Commentary that it, I swear to God has been growing by you know, leaps and bounds the past couple of we- past couple of weeks. So join me there, and we'll talk about Beatles news and whatever you want to talk about. Al, where do you where can people get in touch with you? Uh, on Facebook, um, I'm at Al Sussman. Uh, on Twitter, it's at ASUSS49 or through Beetle Fan Magazine, www.beetlefan.com or uh, www.paradingpress.com for Changing Times 101 Days That Shaped the Generation, which I got some very nice comments about over the weekend at the, at the Chicago uh, Fest for Beatles fans. Because I mentioned you, that's why. <laughs> Possibly. Possibly. Okay. Um, it's all because of Steve. It's all because <laughs> Ken. Uh, how can people get Steve, Steve and, and Greg Sterlace, who 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 <laughs> who slipped a review of the book into this album guide? Did he really? Did he really? Yeah, for <laughs> reasons best known to Greg. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Strange, strange young man. <laughs> um, Ken, how can people get hold of you? Uh, my email address is every little thing at att.net. There's also my website, which is KenMichaelsRadio.com. i got a couple of things to mention about the website because I always have Beatles trivia every single week that gets posted on Mondays, and you have a full week to answer. Well, uh, the current one is for two full weeks, um, and you can win two prizes out of nine to pick from on the website. And if you happen to live in the New York metro area, and you hear this show by August the 19th. I do have a pair of tickets to give away to see the Claypool Lennon Delirium playing in New Haven, Connecticut at College Street Music Hall. And that's on August the 27th. And I should be going to that show. So uh, it's very easy to win. You go to the concerts and events page on my website. So if you live in that area, it's also a very handy page because it tells you all the Beatles tribute bands, anybody in the Beatle world performing in New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, New England. That's all on my website, which is KenMichaelsRadio.com. Okay, Ken, thank you. Um, Mr. Cozen, uh, how can people get a hold of you? Um, I guess on Facebook at either Alan Cozen or Alan Cozen Remixed. Sean Lennon and the Lennon Claypool Delirium will be in Portland, Maine on, I think, the 28th or 29th, probably the 29th. Um, mm. And I'll probably go to that too. So if you can catch me hanging around, uh, you know, at the bar <laughs> or whatever. Okay. Uh, so, so we should um, do a review. 
Well, yeah. Yeah, they're on yeah. the show. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so that's that's basically that. Okay, and you can write to me directly. To, I don't think I gave him. Uh, at com. I also actually have a new email address that I'm going to – not sure if I'm gonna, how, where I'm going to go with it. It's by Steve Marinucci at gmail.com, so you can write to me at either address. And that's about it, folks. Um, we have run out of time. So for Ken Michaels, Alan Cozen, and Al Sussman, this is Steve Marinucci for Things We Said Today, and we will see you next time. Mm-hmm.